Thank you for joining us for Hope This Christmas on the Hope Church LV podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. How many of you would be honest today and say that you've spent at least a little bit of time, maybe this month or even maybe this week or maybe even today, you spent a little bit of time either online or in a store buying Christmas presents. How many of you would say, I've spent a little time this month. Go ahead, show your hand. Let's go. Don't be embarrassed. You're not alone. You've spent some time online. You've spent some time in a store buying Christmas gifts. We have, in our culture in America, an obsession with Christmas presents. That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> Let me give you some stats to back up that statement. According to the National Retail Federation... This holiday season of 2021, just November and December, will hit an all-time high of between $834 billion and $859 billion. Now let that sink in for a second. Last year, we set an all-time record, and this is more than 10% above what we did Last year, that number of $859 billion is is more than the gross domestic product of 173 nations. And we're going to spend it on Christmas presents in November and December. I'd like to give you some kind of filter. We hear a number like that, and it's like monopoly money. How long would it take to count to $859 billion? Let me tell you how long it takes. If we counted by seconds, it would take us 31,783 years to count to $859 billion. And we're going to spend that in November and December and complain about how the economy is just not good. We got an obsession. Americans spend more than $2.6 billion annually to wrap the gifts. Like, not even the gift, just the stuff to package it in. Here's another one. While the United States celebrates the holidays, Americans produce an additional 5 million tons of waste. 4 million of the 5 million tons consists of Wrapping paper and shopping bags. It's kind of funny. It's kind of sad, right? Now, now here's the stat that just shows you our obsession. 51% of Christmas shoppers I'm not even going to make you raise your hand on that one. Like Buy gifts for themselves. Oh, look at there under the tree. I wonder who that's from. It's from me. Now, I know that some people hear these kind of stats and they get all pious and radical and start saying, well, you know, Christmas is not about gifts. 
As a matter of fact, I found an article online that came out five days ago on a, on a website that claims to be the number one media portfolio for Gen Z. Obviously, I'd never been on that website before. But here was the article. Six ways to celebrate Christmas without presents. I didn't even read it. What a waste of literature, right? But before we run down the path and start saying, hey, Christmas is not about gifts, I want to remind you of something. Christmas is really about the greatest single gift ever given. As a matter of fact, 2,000 years ago, at Christmas, the world received the gift of all gifts. I want to read it to you, read read it to you from one verse in Scripture. If you know any verse in the Bible, you probably know the verse that I'm going to read for you today. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, and it really is the message of Christmas. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. You hear it? For God so loved the world that he did what? He did what? Don't tell me Christmas isn't about gifts. It's about the ultimate gift. For God so loved the world. Aren't you glad that God so loved the world that he gave his only son? That whoever believes in him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. That is what Christmas is all about. I want to ask and answer three questions out of that simple statement from the Bible. Here's the first one. Why did God give the gift? If God gave this gift 2,000 years ago that's the gift of all gifts, why did God give the gift? Well, look, look back at the phrase of Scripture. It says, for God, the next two words are so important. For God, say it out loud. For God so loved who? Let me tell you who that is. That's us. That's all of us. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter where we've come from, what our background, culture, country, doesn't matter. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the reason that he gave it, because he loved us. Now, the word love in our culture has been diminished in value. We use the word love in the English language for a variety of sentiments. For example, yesterday. My wife and I had this moment at lunch. She made this homemade sourdough 
bread. Like, like you have to get this starter and work it and make and, and she took that bread and she created this sandwich with grilled cheese and pastrami. And she did it in the skillet, like buttered this thing up. It was glorious. And she sat it down in front of us to eat with a hot bowl of soup. And, and we're sitting there together around this magnificent meal. And I hear my wife say, this is one of my greatest loves in life. And I'm expecting to look up and see her eyes looking at me. <laughs> celebrating this, this moment of, 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 of intimacy. And I look up at her and she is looking at the grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> she said, right over here. I said, babe, I've been wondering how I was going to communicate this this weekend. And, man, you just gave it to me right here. We use it when I can't be upset with her. I do the same thing. I say I love my wife, and I say I love the Vegas Golden Knights, and I say I'm going to love the Las Vegas Raiders, and I love fried chicken. Like, I, I love all that stuff. We throw the word love around like it's all kinds of things. And, and that's not unusual in our language. The Greek language is the same way. There are multiple words in the Greek language that the, the Bible, the New Testament, was written in for the word love. For example, there's one word called phileo. We get the English word Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the city of what? Brotherly love. Brotherly love. The word phileo means brotherly love. It's a friendship kind of love. Did you know that the word phileo is never used to describe God's love for you and me? God doesn't phileo us, aren't you glad? <laughs> the word here is the word agape. The verb is agapeo. It's the highest form of love in the Greek language. It means to choose to find your joy in something as an act of the will. It means it's not because they're lovable. It's not because they've earned it. I'm choosing as an act of my will to make them objects of my love. And if that's not enough, God did not just choose. Put that phrase back up here. God didn't just choose the highest form of love for God so loved the world. Give me that phrase back up here. It says for God. What's this little word? Say it out loud. So. Like that's a big deal. It could have just said, man, for God loved the world, so he gave. No, but for God, say it out loud. So. For God what? He so loved. It's, a, it's an adverb, but it's not a normal adverb. It's a demonstrative adverb that, that describes something to a, a certain degree. It describes the, the quantity, the extent, the degree. It, it could be translated like this. For God in such a transcendent, glorious manner. Loved the world. That phrase tells me two realities. Number one, God made us to love us and to live our lives in fellowship with him. Here's what that means. God made you, God made me to be objects of his love and to live our lives in fellowship with him. Meaning this. Without a love relationship with God, I'm missing out on the very meaning of life. You ever wondered what it's all about? Why am I here on this planet? 
go to work, I earn a living, I put money away, I save for retirement, try to be a good husband, good wife, good, good child, good grandparent, good employee, good employee. Well, what's it really all about? Here's what this tells us. God made us to love us and for you and I to live our lives in fellowship with him. Let me break that down into two statements. First of all, he made us to love us. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to give it to you in the message paraphrase. Listen to what it says. Long before he, God, laid down earth's foundations. Here's what that means. Before there was anything. Before anything you and I can see, taste, touch, feel, or smell was even spoken into existence. Before there was anything, he, God, had us in his mind. Wow. Before there were stars, trees, birds, oceans, mountains. The Bible says God had you on his mind. Look, and had settled on us as the focus of his what? God loved you before you were you. To be made whole and holy. By his love. Did you hear that? Whole and holy. You and I will never be complete apart from a love relationship with the God who made us. He made us to love us. Here's the second statement, though. He made us to live. Did you hear it? I said a moment ago, the statement is God made us to love us and to live our lives in fellowship with him. Some people think God made us to love us, and if I live my life in a love relationship with God, it means I miss out on living life. That's the lie of religion. No, God made us to love us, and he made us to live. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of what? Say it out loud. Life. And the man became a what? Living creature. Both life and living are the same word in the Hebrew language. You know what they mean? Alive. God made us to be alive. And the height of being alive is having a love relationship with the God who made you. It's only in knowing God and loving God and living my life out of the overflow of a relationship with God that life has meaning and purpose and value. But something happened from Genesis chapter 2. You see, sin entered the picture. Our first relatives, Adam and Eve, some of this stuff we get into in fighting about heritage and culture and race, don't forget this, we all come from the same two people. Here's what that means. There's one race, the human race. But Adam and Eve, our great, 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 grandmom and granddaddy, as our representatives in the garden chose to sin against God. And when they sinned against God, they lost the ability to have a relationship with God. And now you and I, as their descendants, every person since Adam and Eve has been born into this world in the same way, without the ability to have a relationship with God. And it's, it's evident in the fact that we all sin. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Romans chapter 6 says this. Or excuse me, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Look what it says. For all have what? 
So don't get too down on Adam and Eve and say, man, they messed everything up. No, we're all in the same boat. We all have what? Sin. That's looking backwards. And now we all fall short. That's looking today and forward of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Let me prove it to you. How many of you would say today at some point in your life you've told a lie? Now, maybe it's not a big lie. Maybe you would even qualify it as a half-truth. But you'd be honest enough in church to admit at some point in your life you've told at least one lie. Let me see your hand. All right. If you didn't put yours up then, you can now. Amen. Don't look at me spiritual. My hand went up quick. How many of you would say you've stolen something? Now, now, it doesn't have to be grand theft auto, all right? Maybe it was just the pen from work that happened to make its way into your hand. and you... Maybe it's taxes that you owed that you didn't pay. Come on, pastor. It's Christmas. Don't be meddling now. At some point in your life, you say, you've stolen something. Let me see your hand. <laughs> yeah. Great place to preach the gospel. Room full of liars and thieves. We're going to have a wonderful invitation today. Now, here's the point I just made. That verse right there is exactly 100% true. We've all sinned, and we all continue to fall short of the glory of God. Okay, pastor, I'll give you that. But if we've all done it, what's the big deal? Here's the second reality. Sin robs us of the ability to live life in fellowship with a loving God. Now, here's why that's important. That's the very reason you and I were created. Sin. You see how the devil is a liar? He says, oh, this is what you need to be happy and be fulfilled. When all the while, that is the very thing that robs you of being happy and fulfilled because it steals the way the opportunity to have the only thing that brings meaning, purpose, and value in life. The prophet Isaiah wrote it this way in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. He said, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. My sin, except God is holy. Yes, he made me to love me and to live in fellowship with him. But because of my sin, I'm separated from God. But here's the beauty of Christmas. God so loved us anyway. In spite of our sin, he loved us anyway. Here's what Paul said in Romans. The wages of sin is what? Say it out loud. You know what that is? The opposite of being alive. Sin promises life. The Bible says sin brings the opposite of being alive. Death to my relationship with God. Death to intimacy with others. Death to integrity. Death to witness. Sin brings death. But God loved us anyway. And Christmas 2,000 years ago, he sent us a gift. You see, because we were in a situation we couldn't solve on our own. Then here's the second question. What's the gift? Go back to the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
Christmas is the glorious celebration of God's gift. He sent His Son Jesus into the world to do for us what we could not do on our own. How did He send Him? Well, the Bible records it in Matthew chapter 1 this way. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Forget this. He will what? Save his people from their sins. You see, he came to save us from our sin. Our sin separated us from God. Our sin robbed us of the ability to enjoy life and enjoy a love relationship with God and live life out of the overflow of that relationship. But Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins. The Bible says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Here's what that means. God sent his son into the world. His name is Jesus. Jesus is God who became a man. Jesus is God who through the virgin birth entered the creation that he created God became a man. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus took his humanity and lived a sinless life. He did what you and I didn't do. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God. He lived sinlessly, which qualified him to be our substitute. And on the cross, here's what Jesus did. Jesus offered his body in place For you and me, because the wages of sin is death. The wage means something that you earn. You not earn death. We deserve to die in this life and die for all eternity separated from God. But God loved us so much that Jesus came into the world. God became a man, lived a sinless life, offered his body as a substitute. And on the cross, here's what happened. Jesus took all of your sin and all of my sin in the past, the present, and the future. Every sin I'll ever commit, every lustful thought, every angry word, every jealous spirit, everything I'll ever do, Jesus took it on himself on the cross. And the Father poured out. His judgment against sin on Jesus and on the cross, Jesus died. Why did he die? Because the wages of sin is death. He drank the cup of the wrath of God against sin for us and he died. But he didn't stay dead. You see, the rest of the story is that this God who came into the world and lived sinlessly and died on that first Sunday morning, he rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins and made a way for you and I to be forgiven of our sin. And get this, to be reconciled back to God. Let me show it to you. 
Look at it. We looked at it a minute ago. Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. I only read part of it. But the what? Free what? Don't tell me this ain't about gifts. The wages of sin is death. Oh, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal what? Alive. Alive. Reconciled back into relationship with God in this life and then carried by that relationship into eternity with God into heaven. I want to do something today. I got a gift that I want to give somebody. For real, I want to give somebody. I, I need somebody who wants a gift. Who wants a gift? All right, right there. Come here, young man. You need a gift. I'm going to come to you. Step right out here. All right, first hand I saw up right here. Tell me your name. Gavin. Gavin. All right, Gavin. I got a gift for you. Let me ask you a question. What do you have to do to get this gift? Exactly, right? Because if I make you do something for this, that ain't a gift, right? That's called work. That's called earning something. But I got a gift for you. But, but, but you do have to what? Get it. How, how do you get it? You have to grab it. You have to, you have to take it. <laughs> exactly. Now you got it. It's yours. You can have a seat. Thank you, man. He, he got a gift. Now, he had to take it. He had to receive it. The gift was available, but he had to take it. God sent his son into the world so that you and I could receive the gift of salvation. But but that begs the question, how? How do we receive it? Let's go back to the verse one last time. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, give it to me that whoever believes, whoever what? Believes in him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to this quote by Kenneth Gangel. He says, for almost 2,000 years, people have been adding to the gospel. But the truth still rings clear today. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Religion, this world, been trying to add all this stuff you got to do to earn God's gift. Listen, if you got to earn it, guess what? That's not a gift. A gift's just got to be, what, received. How do you receive it? You receive it by believing. The word believe means to have faith. I'm going to have some friends bring out something for me that I want to close with. This is from my garage at my house. Where's my guy? Here he comes. It's a ladder in my garage. Now, this is a ladder just like any ladder you could go by, but there's a little note here on this ladder, let's see, it's on this side right here, that says, load capacity. 250 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all look at me saying, uh-oh, what you talking about? <laughs> now, I got to be honest, it's close. But based on what it says, 250 pounds, I'm good. Listen, it says, listen, get this. It says, heavy duty. You know what? I believe that ladder hold me. That's the way a lot of you are right now in this room. 
you hear me talk about Jesus, come into the world, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and here's what you say in your mind. I believe Jesus will save me. Listen, that's not the kind of faith that saves. Let me tell you what I really believe. Y'all all right? Like, when I get up here on this ladder, now I believe. You know why? Because if his ladder goes, guess what? Somebody else will be preaching here the rest of the services Christmas Eve. There's a whole lot of you here who would say, I believe Jesus can save me. But you've never entrusted your life to him. You see, saving faith is that moment when it goes from here to here. When you come to the place in your life where you surrender the control of your life to Jesus, which means wherever he goes, that's where you go. It's a quote by David Dockery. You see it up here on the screen. It says, belief, of course. They just took it off the screen. They put it up here. It was back there on that screen. Belief, of course, means far more than mere intellectual assent. Rather, it means placing one's life and trust in complete surrender to the one in whom you believe. That's what we're talking about. And here's what I want to ask you. Have you ever received the gift? Have you ever received God's gift of salvation? I'm not asking if you've ever been to church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you know the Bible verses. I'm not asking if you believe in your head. I'm asking you, have you ever come to the place in your life where you surrendered the control of your life to Jesus and believed in him? If not, here's what this Christmas is for you. It's time to take the gift. Let's bow our heads. All over the room, we're going to pray together. Have you ever received God's gift of salvation? If you're somebody who's here and you've already trusted Christ, listen, I want you in this moment to begin to pray for people around you. Because there are people in this room who've never received God's gift of salvation. If that's you right now, listen. Today, by faith, you can receive God's gift of salvation. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now listen, it's not the words of a prayer that bring salvation. It's faith in Jesus. But the Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on Jesus by faith, through prayer, and receive God's gift of salvation. If you would like for the first time in your life to receive Jesus, to receive God's gift of salvation, to know that you have been forgiven and you now have a relationship with God, I want you to pray this with me right now in your heart. You can pray it silently. You can pray it out loud. doesn't matter. Just pray these words. Lord Jesus, I know that you are God. 
I know that you came into this world. I know that you died on a cross. I know that you rose again from the dead. I know that you did all of that because I sinned against you. And because you loved me anyway. Right now, Jesus, I turn from my sin and I receive your gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, with nobody looking around right now but me, if you just prayed with me for the very first time in your life to receive God's gift of salvation, nobody's looking right now but me. And listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I'm not going to call your name out or anything. If you just prayed with me to receive Jesus, I want to pray for you. And I want to see where you are. If you just prayed with me for the very first time all over the building, I want you to just put your hand up and just hold it up for just a second. Just put your hand up. Nobody's like, thank you, God bless you. Just hold it up for a second. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Keep it up. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you over here. Yes, sir. I see you there, sir. God bless you. Somebody else. God bless you, sir. Thank you, sir. Man, men, adult men all over this place giving their lives to Christ tonight. God bless you, sir. Young people, women, God bless you. College students, God bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you're in the saving business. Listen, if you just raised your hand, you've just prayed with me to receive Christ. Nobody's looking around right now but me. I want you to just look up and just look at me. I'm going to talk to you for just a second. It's just going to be us, all right? Just look at me. Just look at me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Just look at me. Yeah, I see you. Just look at me. Just look at me. Yeah, just look at me. Listen, I want to be the first person to tell you something. Look at me. I'm going to be the first person to tell you, welcome to the family of God. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus paid it all. We sang it earlier. Here's what that means. All of the sin that you've ever committed, all the sin that you'll ever commit, Jesus already paid for it. God has forgiven you. He's welcomed you into his family. You are now a loved, accepted child of the Father, and there's not anything you can ever do to change that. You've been born again into the family of God. You've just begun a new relationship. We want to walk with you. Just a moment, we're going to give you some instructions, but we want to walk with you. But I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to pray for you. You can bow your head. Let me pray. God, thank you for men and women and young adults all over this building that have given their lives to Jesus. God, thank you for the miracle of salvation. Thank you for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, thank you that though their sins were as scarlet, they are now as white as snow. They are forgiven. They are loved. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God would so fill them. Lord, I know that you've now come to live inside of them. But God, you would fill them with a sense of peace and wonder at the miracle of salvation. God, I pray that they would know that the weight and the guilt of their sin is gone. 
and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for these precious souls today. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's let them know one more time how excited we are for them. Amen. <laughs>